Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, January 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, old Joe took the wheel this week. Biden was inaugurated on Wednesday, surrounded by thousands of soldiers. You know, it was kind of surreal. And did you see Lady Gaga? She sang the national anthem, and she had this odd hairdo with a bunch of ribbons. And, of course, she has that platinum blonde hair anyway. And she was wearing this black dress with this gaudy gold brooch. I think it was a dove. The whole thing definitely had this Hunger Games vibe. Maybe fitting for this day and age, you know, I I don't know. The reactions to the dawning of the age of the Biden presidency have been a lot like our politics, starkly polarized. On the one hand, there's a lot of fawning out there. A lot of my friends are all, ooh, thank goodness we have a respectable president again. And then on the other side of the aisle, it's basically abject horror. Now, if you follow my work at the Tenth Amendment Center at all, you know that I don't get too excited about presidents one way or another. I mean, I certainly don't look at them as saviors. On the other hand, Biden doesn't make me particularly panicky either. Maybe that's just because I think they're all awful. Presidents in general make me panicky. But objectively speaking, Biden really isn't all that different from his predecessors. I mean, if you look at his history, he's a center-left Democrat with a lot of neoconservative tendencies. I've joked a little bit that Democrats are all excited because they just inaugurated George W. Bush 4.0. I mean, really, how different have any of these presidents really been? You know, I'm not saying that's a good thing. All of these people have been awful. If you care about the Constitution, if you care about limited government, if you care about liberty, all of them, even Trump, I'm sad to say. Now, I will say this, I do think the leftward drift of the country in general is going to push Joe further to the left. But in general, I think the trajectory of government will basically continue on as it has. It will continue to get bigger, more intrusive, and it will drive us deeper into debt. The things that I really hate about government always continue from administration to administration. So here's my projection for the Biden term. We're going to get the same wars. We're going to get the same spying. We're going to get the same police state, the same unsustainable monetary policy, the same war on drugs, just like we did with Trump and Obama and Bush. And, you know, I can go back further than that. The big problem, in my view, is that government is likely to get even bigger even faster. And that doesn't bode well for the economy, which is what we're really here to talk about, right? So let's pivot off the politics and look at the economic ramifications of the Biden presidency. You know, you wouldn't know it by the stock market that uh, the economic trajectory is going to be bad at all. I mean, all four major U.S. stock indices hit new records on Inauguration Day. I've talked before about the fact that the stock market has become decoupled from economic reality. Well, it's also becoming detached from political reality. Peter Schiff talked about this on his podcast this week, so I'm not going to dwell on it here. I'm going to link to that show 
on the show notes page. But in a nutshell, stocks didn't go up Wednesday because everybody thinks Biden is going to unleash some great economic policies. I think we all know it will be quite the opposite. There will be more regulations. Heck, Biden started undoing Trump policies within hours of being sworn in. But by the same token, the stock market wasn't roaring earlier this year because of Donald Trump either, as much as the former president wanted to take credit for it. Think about it. If the stock market gains were really all about Donald Trump's policies, and Joe Biden is already unwinding those policies as fast as he can by executive order, why were all of the stock markets making record highs? I think that pretty much tells you that the stock market couldn't care less about Joe Biden being the president because it didn't matter that Donald Trump was the president. As I've said over and over, this stock market is about one thing and one thing only stimulus, specifically the Fed buying bonds, holding interest rates artificially low, and printing money. And one thing that we know is not going to change is Fed policy. The printing presses are going to keep right on running. I'm going to get into that a bit here in just a minute. Now, gold also had a good day in the wake of the inauguration. The yellow metal hit a five-week high on Thursday at nearly 1875 an ounce, but today we're already seeing the profit taking. As I record the podcast, gold has dropped back to about 1844 an ounce, and silver is trading at 2516. You know, gold just can't seem to catch a consistent bid. Objectively speaking, gold should be on fire right now, given the money printing and the economic malaise that we are in. The supply and demand fundamentals are also positive for gold. You know, I think sometimes we get so caught up in looking at Fed policy and economic data and the political landscape that we forget to consider basic supply and demand. I mean, that's really important when you're looking at a market, right? I saw some interesting news yesterday from Global Data. They say gold mine output was down about 5.4% in 2020. Now, that's not really surprising. And of course, a lot of that was due to mine shutdowns in the midst of the pandemic. But it could also be partly a continuation of a trend that we've seen developing over the last several years. Gold production was down in 2019 as well. Not a lot. It was about 1% down, but it was the first drop in mine output since 2008. And that year was actually an anomaly due to the financial crisis. By and large, gold production has increased year upon year until recently. So the Decline in 2019 actually followed on the heels of several years of flat mine output. So we're seeing this plateau, and now we're seeing a drop. There are a lot of analysts who think that we could be heading into a long-term and maybe even an irreversible decline in gold mine production. Now, I can't say how much of this drop in gold mine production last year was pandemic-related and how much of it was part of the broader downward trend we've been seeing. But no matter how you slice it, you have a drop in gold supply. And on the demand side, the gold market in India showed some signs of life in December. And this is significant because the gold market has really been suppressed there over the last year, year and a half. India is the second biggest gold-consuming country in the world. I'll link to an article that goes into more details on all of this on the show notes page. But bottom line is we have some uh, positive news as far as supply and demand dynamics go for the gold market. But nevertheless, the mainstream just is not bullish on gold. And, you know, 
I don't think they really get it. In fact, I have some evidence that they don't get it at all. ABN AMRO Bank just adjusted their gold outlook down. Their analyst actually thinks that the gold market is going to struggle because, get this, rising inflation will force the Federal Reserve to tighten monetary policy faster than investors are expecting. And she even said she thinks we're going to see dollar strength down the road. Now, she's right about one thing. There will be rising inflation. Where she's wrong is in thinking that the Fed is actually going to tighten monetary policy to fight it. The Fed can't do that. It's impossible. Enter Janet Yellen, former Fed chair, about to become Treasury Secretary. I want to talk a little bit about her testimony before the Senate Finance Committee because it demonstrates exactly why we're rushing headlong toward a dollar crash and how people like this analyst are completely missing the boat. Yellen was totally talking out of both sides of her mouth during her testimony. She acknowledged that too much debt is problematic, but in the very same sentence, insisted that we need to, quote, act big to rescue the economy. Here's the exact quote. Neither the president-elect nor I proposed this relief package without an appreciation for the country's debt burden. But right now, with interest rates at historic lows, the smartest thing we can do is act big. This is a prime example of the old adage that you can ignore everything in a sentence that comes before the word but. The truth is, Yellen doesn't care about the debt at all, and she nor the newly installed Biden administration are ever going to do anything to address it. The strategy is to spend, spend, spend. I talked about this in last week's podcast, and they're going to continue to kick the debt can down the road. I mean, this has been the strategy of both Republicans and Democrats for decades, right? They jawbone about the debt, but they never act on the debt. There is always a reason to borrow and spend. During the Obama years, it was the financial crisis. Today, it's the coronavirus pandemic. And tomorrow, there'll be another reason, perhaps climate change or maybe our crumbling infrastructure or maybe another war. Whenever you hear a politician talking about dealing with the debt, think of Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. She's going to pull it away every single time. Now, Yellen reasons that spending now is fine with interest rates at record lows. This should raise a question. Why are interest rates at record lows? The reason, of course, is simple. The Federal Reserve is artificially keeping them at record lows. I've talked about this a lot on the show. There isn't enough natural demand to absorb the trillions of dollars in bonds that the U.S. government has to sell to finance its spending spree. So the Fed buys the treasuries and creates artificial demand to prop prices up and suppress interest rates. If the Fed was not buying treasuries, interest rates would be going through the roof right now. So, okay. So far, so good. But there is a small hitch in this little scheme. The Fed buys these bonds with money created out of thin air and then ejects it into the economy. This is inflation. Now again, Yellen says we don't have to worry about borrowing trillions of dollars for stimulus and infrastructure and student loan forgiveness and whatever else old Joe plans to spend money on because I quote, the future is likely to bring low interest rates for a long time. Of course, she can say this with some level of certainty because she knows that the Fed will have her back and continue to monetize all of this debt. Side note, get this, Yellen promised that she would, quote, be a voice of fiscal sanity 
in the Biden administration. If this is fiscal sanity, I shudder to think what the fiscally insane people are saying right now. Here's the problem with this entire scenario. You can't just keep printing money indefinitely without consequences. We all know this, right? We already see the impact in the massive stock market bubble. We're starting to see signs of inflation in the commodities markets. Oil is back above $50 a barrel. Remember $4 per gallon gas back in the mid-2000s after the QE of the financial crisis? And at some point, you're going to see the impact of all of this inflation in the supermarket. In fact, my wife insists that we're already seeing it. Typically, the Fed fights inflation by tightening monetary policy and letting interest rates rise. That's exactly what this ABN AMRO analyst says is going to happen. But how can the Fed do this with Yellen and Biden depending on low interest rates and debt monetization to finance their massive spending spree? I mean, are they going to just quit spending money? I don't think so. The answer here is obvious. It can't. There is no exit strategy from this insane monetary policy. Now, the Fed pulled off this charade once after the 2008 financial crisis because everybody believed that QE was a temporary emergency measure. They actually believed that the central bank would unwind, that it would shrink the balance sheet, that it would normalize interest rates. And to their credit, Yellen and Jerome Powell after her, they did give it a shot. But the stock market tanked in the fall of 2018, as you will remember. And at that point, the Fed went right back to rate cuts and QE. Everybody knows that QE now is permanent. Everybody knows that the Fed is not going to shrink the balance sheet. So here is the $64,000 question. Do you really think people are going to fall for this again? I mean, maybe. But probably not. The Fed is stuck between a rock and a hard place. It has to keep monetizing the debt because the federal government is going to keep spending money. It has to keep interest rates low. That means it has to keep inflating. If it stops, this debt-ridden economy is going to collapse. And if it doesn't stop, at some point, the dollar is going to collapse. All right, so I'm running a little bit long here. I'm going to close with that. The takeaway here is that you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared for what's coming down the road. A Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist can help you do just that. Give them a call, 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can just shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com, and they can look at your portfolio, look at your individual needs, and figure out how to best prepare for what lies ahead. That's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Uh, you'll find links to these things on the show notes page. We're also on MeWe now. You can look us up there or just click the link on the show notes page. I appreciate you listening to the show and I'll talk to you next time.